Hello and welcome to the Amity Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Jono. We're going to be doing another sermon look back tonight. I keep saying tonight because that's when we're recording it, but You're listening to it whenever you want. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's Monday here, so we're looking back on yesterday's sermon. The last sermon in the Sermon on the Mount series that you've been preaching. This is the end. (laughs) Was it bittersweet? You know, I was thinking about this, that often on a Monday or or a Tuesday, Mm -hmm. I would go to the commentaries. And I have a stash of commentaries that I use for the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And, you know, today... I picked those commentaries up, and I went and put them back on the bookshelf. And I felt so like these have, been, these have been my companions for, for a long time. And I, I you'll put them never back. read them again. <laughs> Maybe not. And I was just like, it's a weird sense of sadness and closure, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what that means is that it's God's will for someone to buy me Logos Bible software. <laughs> And so I'll never, never have, have to, to put my books away again. <laughs> but our bookshelves are so nice. I know. No. I'm, I'm very old school when it comes to this. And I just like, I like using paper commentary. Yeah. I definitely think, I love Kindle as well. I can definitely get into Logos and stuff like that. But mm. um, there's, it's definitely more efficient and so on. But, you know, I just, I, I have a bunch of good commentaries. And I, I used them, so. Nice. Anyway. Well, we're going to try to keep this to a reasonable length. But like you say every week, right before Sunday, there's no reason why the sermon has to go long. I feel like that's what we say each time we're doing the podcast episode. There's no reason why this episode has to go long. Oh, goodness. But we are the reason. <laughs> you are the reason. <laughs> I'm a problem, Yeah. <laughs> I've, um, I, I'm, I'm busy working on, like, for, for a 5 p.m. service and mm. trying to keep things a little bit shorter than usual. And it's, it's fascinating to me. Like, I cannot prepare a regular length message and cut it down very far at all. To, in order to preach something like 25, mm. 30 minutes, I really have to almost start with, like a mini sermon. Yeah, and like a, we- a little wedding message and then bulk and double it. Like, that's how I have to do it. It's <laughs> yeah, anyway. funny. You want to go ahead? Um, mm-hmm. That was the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And, yeah. So the end of Matthew 7? Yeah, 24 to 29. Yeah. I'll just read that. Um, everyone then who hears these words of mine... And does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And it and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Nice. I can't read that passage and not think of that Sunday school song, which you didn't know it, but I'm sure a lot of the listeners would know it, and I'm not going to sing it. And I didn't 
you know, but I didn't bring it up. I was deadly <laughs> serious, was I not? You were. I think you didn't really make any jokes, which is fine. I made jokes right before I got up, though. Oh, okay. No, I made a joke in the middle because it started raining so hard. Oh, yeah, it did. It started... As you were talking about building the houses. Yeah, and I said, <laughs> I said to people, like, is that rain? Yeah. And then, like... Like the congregation, really like, yeah, duh, and I'm like, I'm deaf, right? <laughs> um, but I was like, there was like, yeah, it's raining, and I said, the Lord is filling up our baptismal pool because <laughs> it's funny. We use a little river yeah. uh, for believers' baptism, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was good. It worked. Cool. Okay. Comedian. Let's tuck in. No. So I think something. I started with the authority of Jesus, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think it's just a, it's a very it's a very useful point. Someone I had multiple people say I'm surprised you didn't do another message on that afterwards, mm-hmm. um, but I, I would simply say that Jesus uh, is speaking differently to the, to the scribes and, and, and to the Pharisees in that he's not relying on other people's interpretations. For his authority, he is Lord, Mm -hmm. he is Christ, and uh, in the words of uh, Gresham Mason, Jesus assumes the authority to legislate for the kingdom of heaven, in the sense that his interpretation, uh, especially in, say, Matthew 5, 17 to 48, his interpretation is what goes. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say... Uh, Thus saith the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking on behalf of God, Mm -hmm. he says, I say to you. And so that is just a crucial distinctive. It's another way, just another way of saying Jesus is the Son of God. Mm -hmm. So, you've got this story, this parable, Mm -hmm. that is, is well known. But there's a sense in which sometimes familiarity just means you don't, hmm. you know. Don't really think too much about exactly. it. Exactly. So, like, anything in there sort of stand out to you, Lon? Um, um, no, not too much. Not right. I mean, I just, yeah, let's just get into it. I think you, we'll talk, there, the similarities between... What's totally. going on in the parable? You've totally. got that kind of compare and contrast that you often have in a parable. Totally. So you've got two men, both hearing the words of Christ. So they're both hearing the same thing. Um, they both build houses. They got two houses. And then both houses face the same flood and storm. So the same weathering. Basically, one doesn't have it easier than the other. So those are the similarities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, what's the, what are the words? What oh, the, Jesus' is teaching? Yeah. yeah. I think it's, I think it should, we should take it like he's preaching on the kingdom of heaven, right? Yeah. It's like, so that's his, his mm. summary, right? Yeah. And he says, so both here. Yeah. This this message of his rule mm. and his reign and the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Mm. So it's almost like he's laying out to the people who have been hearing all this teaching, you know, on this, like the Sermon on the Mount, even though that wasn't just 
one specific sermon, mm-hmm. but like it's it's like he's laying this parable out kind of at the end. Like you've heard all of this, you've heard all of these teachings from me. Now, these are the two options, the two outcomes. Absolutely, absolutely. So, there's two gates. There's two sets of influences: the true and the false. The false, the false prophets. And he says, now there's two foundations on which uh, you build yeah. your life. Now, what's what's the house? The houses. Well, I just always thought it was their like their lives, their yeah. character, and every you know everything encompasses your life. I didn't ever realize that there was other people that thought different things. <laughs> Totally, yeah, and I, I think it's, I think it's basic. And mm. there's there's two houses, and there's never any attention paid to the differences between the houses. Yeah, because you brought out like someone said that um, that some people say that it's our obedience, mm. like that that's what it represents. Yeah. But then you're you're right. It's but you're right that it's there. Yeah, you would imagine you know there's someone seeking to live obediently to God. But yeah, when there's not any attention drawn and they're compared in the same way. Totally. Yeah. And then you've got the the flood or, or the storm. Hmm. Uh, the parallel passage in Luke um, it speaks very clearly of a, a flood, a stream of water. Hmm. Um, but here, Jesus' words. Uh, in in Matthew, you've got well, wind and rain, and mm-hmm. and it's 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 interesting. There's the contrast. There's like the language of the flood, sort of, and the wind falling on the house, mm-hmm. and then the house falling. Mm-hmm. There's a play on words going on mm-hmm. there. Uh, the the flood is could be the trials and tribulations of life, right. but reality, it's uh, Jesus has been talking about the fact that. God is judge, and He will on that day. Because mm. water is off is used for judgment a lot it's, through Scripture. Exactly. Mm. It was funny. I was asking uh, in a home group, where else do we know water being used for judgment? And people were just like nailing it. You know, Noah's mm-hmm. that flood, Jonah. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. the, the that yep. storm. You know, uh, and. I mean, is that just an, another side of Jesus' authority when mm. he's calming the uh, the calming mm-hmm. storms? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's saying that yeah, this is the Lord, mm-hmm. um, but he's also the one that calms mm-hmm. the storms of judgment. Mm-hmm. And I made a, a tie between the storm and, and the the flood, mm-hmm. the deluge of water, and and baptism. I think it's being what's pictured in baptism. First Peter three, Colossians two, um, uh, Romans six. You've been uh, baptized into Christ's death. Uh, that that the water is showing the judgment of God has has come upon you, but because of the resurrection, you've been raised in newness of life. And so there's there's a clear sort of link between this text and uh, baptism. Mm. Alright. Oops, sorry. Nope, yeah. I'm not trying to cut you off. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, then we got... The differences. Differences. Mm. One's a fool. Mm. One's wise. They both build houses. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? They're both here. Mm-hmm. Only one does. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
and and then like the, the crucial difference then is the decision on foundations yep hmm. and so Jesus is saying let hear my words build upon them it's very interesting looking at commentaries <laughs> Christ is not the rock, his teaching is. Christ is obviously the rock. <laughs> and I was like, oh, James Montgomery Boyce and D.A. Carson are in disagreement. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, others were saying, like, mm. no, obedience is the rock. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, hold on, you know. Mm. Um, it's very interesting. Like most people come along and say Christ is the rock. And, mm. and I I think I just... We can look at all of this and there's a level of truth there mm-hmm. in all of them. And I think we can simply say that the rock is Christ mm. and his teaching. Yeah. Because that's what is You're, to be obeyed. Right. And we once again go back to Deuteronomy chapter 18... When Moses is told that after him will come a prophet, mm. and if you don't listen to that prophet, God will require your life of you. Mm. That's what Jesus is doing. Mm. It's exactly what he's doing. He's saying, yeah. if you hear my voice, you hear my words, and you follow after me, you will have life. If you do not, you reject me, you reject God, mm-hmm. and your life will be required of you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very, very uh, straightforward. And I said, I think that actually provides the, also a bit of a context, because Christ is, is sort of used as, and his teaching is used as the rock repeatedly mm-hmm. throughout Scripture. First uh, Corinthians 3, you know, uh, Judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, building with wood, straw, right. gold, etc. Yeah. But then you've got places like Ephesians 2.20, which is saying that, you know, the the people of God are built up as a temple mm-hmm. on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Revelation 21.14 says, The wall of the city had 12 foundations. This is the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And I think mm-hmm. that's very... And, we don't need to distinguish too much there either because Christ ascends, mm-hmm. sends his spirit, and he sends his apostles as his messengers into the world with his message and t- tells them to take the good news of this kingdom into the world. And so in Acts 2.42, when the apostles, we told the early church, are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Mm-hmm. Acts 4 as well and so on the, the, the word went forth so mm-hmm. often throughout the book that's all they're doing is taking that authoritative message of Christ about his life his death his resurrection his ascension mm-hmm. and his kingdom mm-hmm. and carrying it and carrying it forward yeah. and so therefore we can say it's both the rock is Christ in his teaching and that that is the apostolic message that Christ yeah. And his his teaching mm. is apostolic. It is handed to us throughout generation by generation. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess then we have a, uh, a final difference in that the same flood hmm. comes through. And flattens one. Great was its fall. Yeah. When the other one remains standing. Yeah. Mm. And so, one stands and faces the Father's eternal pleasure. One mm. falls and faces eternal judgment. It's interesting too. I like just had this thought. You know, it's not to credit of the builder. Like, it's not about you, the builder being like, "Look at this house. Like, my house is better than your house." You know, like mm-hmm. my my house lasts and yours didn't. The fa- the credit is to the foundation. Amen. That's. I mean, that's great mm-hmm. as far as removing both things, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a wonderful application, is it not? Mm. You know, on yep. Christ the solid rock I stand. It's it's assurance. You know, mm-hmm. I think you can you could look at this and you could push it on the subject of obedience. Mm-hmm. Say so the rock is obedience, and then you're making it something that's mm. all about you. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, oh, you know, like, am I being obedient enough as I build? And yeah, then, that starts making me uncomfortable. It does. Pietism. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about that at some point. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's true. And I mean, I I did say we need we need to ask ourselves the question like, what are you building? Like, if you're not a believer in Christ, if you're not uh, mm-hmm. trusting in Him, you're not seeking to obey Him as Lord of your life you're not building on the rock, then Mm -hmm. every second of every day, apart from Christ, you're building a structure of your life that will fall over in judgment. Mm. And the message isn't then try harder. The Mm. message is repent and turn to Jesus Christ. Uh, Mm -hmm. You don't need what you think you need. What you do need Mm. is to go to the rock. Mm. Yep. And, um, and I think as an application as well, and this is an application that I need to find better ways of, of making. I was probably rushing a little bit to not talk too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, fancy that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of... consider We spend a lot of time thinking about the house and what success looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can... You're talking about for the believer... Yeah. For the believer. And I think if you, if, you, if we're honest, like we start thinking about our discipleship, we start thinking about parenting, there's a lot of neurotic parents mm. that put humongous expectations upon children. Maybe had a humongous expectations put upon them by their, mm-hmm. their parents. And so we're all like thinking, this is what success looks like. You've got to be, you've got, you've got to be very successful. You've got to be very wealthy. You've got to have, you know, um, you've got to get straight A's all the time on everything. And it's done to the exclusion of caring about what God wants. It's not wrong to be successful. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong to have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong to get A's. It's not wrong mm-hmm. to be good at sport. Mm-hmm. But what matters here, according to Jesus, is the foundation that we build on. 
not what the house ultimately looks like. <laughs> and so what if we defined success mm -hmm. as seeking to live according to the Sermon on the Mount, as seeking to be, mm. you know, poor in spirit before the Lord and, 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 and humble, meek, mm -hmm. peacemakers, a gentle, willing to be reviled for, mm -hmm. the, for, the, for the faith, desiring to be a city on a hill, salt and light in the world, mm -hmm. uh, seeking to, to live righteously and treat people uh, in a way that is honoring to, to the Lord of God, mm -hmm. uh, that we saw success as being set free from hypocrisy in how we live because we were, were so grateful for the Father's care and love upon us that we... That we don't feel like we have to pretend and, mm -hmm. you know, because that, that's what you do. Like mm -hmm. when you're just so, you're so focused on external forms of success, you just look like, look at me, look at me. Oh, and we can do that in the church. Mm -hmm. Oh, my kid's a Bible trivia champion. You know, I probably was the Bible trivia champion when I was 10. I was a just silly little Pharisee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you know this, right? <laughs> Yeah, I was the Awana kid all the way through. <laughs> exactly. Um, not that that's not again. It did me good in, it, in it, many it, ways. It, 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 it did you good in yeah. in some ways, but mm. it's just kind of. No, I I'm know what you mean. Yeah, we, we we can be we can be the worst hypocrite yeah. and look successful. Yeah. And be so far from what we see in Matthew five, six, and seven. Yeah, I think so often that our. Well, obviously, then our ideas of success are so removed from what is actually successful. As you're talking about, I'm basically re-saying what you've just said. But, you know, I'm thinking, like, whether that's children we, we want, whether that's, you know, trying to get them to have certain occupations or certain career paths that are viewed as more important than others, you know. Um, or, or even, like... <sighs> giving them the expectation that they're going to live an easy, more comfort-filled life, and that's a measure of success. Sure. You know, without hardship or without illness or without struggle or without, you know, whatever, hardship. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a very unhelpful... Absolutely. Um, ...outlook and an unhelpful burden to put on our kids. Totally. You know, I have to think about this as a pastor. Yeah. What does success look like? Mm, yeah, for it's, you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I don't feel like I'm ready to talk about it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. What does success look like? Mm. What does success look like for a pastor with a family? What, is, mm. what does success look like for our church? Mm-hmm. Faith, hope, and love, mm. you know? Um mm. You know, woe is me that I have the finest doctrinal integrity, mm. but a clanging gong. Yeah. You know, with that. Mm. Um, and then on the other side, like, oh, I'm not hearing about doctrine and all and just being a bunch of immature people. Yeah. That know nothing. Mm. Jesus, with complete authority, calls us to hear him. Do what he says, and so build our lives upon his solid foundation.
Amen. Farewell, Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> Was there one thing that you remembered or found most impactful from the mm-hmm. overall series? I think people say that the Sermon on the Mount is entirely future. People say it's an impossible ideal to live up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's all sorts of views on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the, the kingdom is already and not yet. G.K. Yeah. Beale's so big on that. He's so good. The kingdom is already and mm-hmm. not yet. And so Jesus is laying forth what the kingdom is, what the kingdom looks like, that the kingdom has broken in. This is God's alternate society under his will in his reign Mm -hmm. and this is what it looks like this is what he his blessing is upon this is what this is what humanity's goal is so Mm -hmm. to speak that in christ and so he will bring this to a close and i think that when we understand that it just it helps solve so many Theological mm. questions, antinomianism and licentiousness and stuff like mm. that. It's like, no, you've been saved. I was reading with someone mm-hmm. this morning, Titus 2, mm. you know, that God's in Jesus Christ is purifying for himself a people zealous for his own possession, mm-hmm. zealous for good works. That's the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. This is what God's alternate society looks like. It's great. Mm-hmm. You know, do we fail to live up to it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Does that mean we must stop? <laughs> no, so we, we must recognize our poverty of spirit and we ask, seek, and knock, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is what the goal for true humanity looks like. Mm-hmm. And so, I knew all these things. Yeah. I'm so glad I got to look at it. <laughs> It's funny because we didn't compare notes on that at all, but my my answer is very similar to yours. And I would have said that I knew most of that as well, but I think really hammering in the importance of it. Um, and again, it's that the, the reality, the take that the church and, you know, spe- I'm specifically thinking of our church, but the church globally, um, but CS is... A taste of the kingdom of heaven. It is a very in in a real sense. It is part of that, and so therefore the kingdom ethics is what's supposed to govern that. Amen. And that and and kind of as you say, like it would just solve <laughs> solve so many problems. Amen. And I think of all the things that we're chasing after, like 2020, 2021, the stuff that's been going on. And we're just getting so distracted by so many things. And it's causing us to reject the very basics, you know, of being peacemakers, of being poor in spirit, of being just kind and humble and having gracious speech and being a light and being salt. All of these very basic things. Do you know why? One of the reasons is we want power. We've had a level of comfort and we want power. We don't like being in, not being in control. Yeah. yeah. We like power, yeah. we're like being in control. Yeah. And we don't recognize that our Lord mm-hmm. died. Yeah. And that's what we're called to. 
And I'm saying this not because I'm like, I've got it together and I'm living this way. I'm saying it because I've been so convicted over this. Totally. And recognize my own need to constantly be reframing my thinking this way and praying that the Lord would be changing my heart and growing me in these, in this area, in these many areas. Um, I was listening to the, the Kaisis, I don't even know how to pronounce it properly, but the new podcast that Todd Bordeaux and, um, his intern, man, I just blanked on his name. Todd Bordeaux and his intern have started a new podcast and it's all about the kingdom and many different jumping off platforms from there. But they made the point today in the podcast I was listening to that, like, this is going against, like, the zealots of the Mm -hmm. day. You know, when Jesus was teaching, you had the zealots who were so fired up against Rome and the oppression they felt and the lack of religious freedom and the fact that Rome was coming in and, you know, treating them poorly and the racial element and the spirit, the religious element and all of that kind of stuff. And what was their answer? They wanted to overthrow the king. They wanted to overthrow the government. They wanted a, what they thought a more righteous government, you know? And Jesus is saying, that's not the answer. <laughs> I'm your king. I am the answer. But it's going to look completely different than what you think it is. Amen. And we have to tell ourselves that today. We may not like our government. We may not like what they're doing. And we may face that religious oppression, whatever that might look like. That's what we're to expect, mm-hmm. you know? And it's our answer is not, let's overthrow this and set up our little Christian government here. Mm-hmm. Do you know that when it comes to eschatology, premillennialists are often called pessimistic because they think everything's going to get bad and then Christ's going to come. Right. And postmillennialists are often called optimistic because they think things are going to get better and that that mm-hmm. there's going to be good governance and right. so forth, and that there's going to be a golden age for various forms of post-millennialism. Mm-hmm. And our millennialism is often called by post-millennialists and nothing eschatology <laughs> because it doesn't believe anything. Let me just say this as a very committed our millennialist. <laughs> the ultimate optimistic eschatology is the one that says Jesus is king and lord now Mm. amen Mm. 